law and gospel every 45 seconds. Please allow me to explain. In recent times, I've ventured to do something I've never done before in my ministry, and that is street preaching, using the sound system of a friend, going downtown to central Phoenix, standing on a box, preaching the gospel. Very, very different from preaching a sermon in a church where usually everyone is attentive and wanting to hear. It's not that at all. In fact, it's a very, very hostile environment. A number of people get in your face, shout obscenities at you. You think you're going to be stabbed either from the back or from the front. It's really taking your whole life in your hands when you do that. But I've done it and I've preached the gospel. I once took a little bit of a walk to find out how far the sound carried using the sound system. And I worked out that you have about 45 seconds while people are walking towards the speakers whereby they can actually hear what is being said. After that, they walk past and they can no longer hear the preaching. So I realized very quickly that you've got about 45 seconds to say something. It's not the sermon that people are attentive and you can uh, develop your theme and you can go from point one to point two to point three and bring an introduction and a conclusion. No, you got 45 seconds, matey. That's it. And they've walked past. And so I thought to myself, what is it that should be said and can be said in about 45 seconds? And what is the most important thing that people do here? And here's the message. Law and gospel. Law, L-A-W, and gospel. I believe that's a faithful summary of what the Bible teaches. And let's understand those terms. When I speak of the law, I'm not just referring to the Ten Commandments, though that is a part of what we would call the law. I'm talking about anything that God tells us to do in Scripture. God tells us to do a lot, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. I'm not saying that the law is the Old Testament and the Gospels the New Testament. In fact, right through the Old Testament, you have law and gospel. You have pronouncements about what God requires. And you have the message of what God does for guilty sinners, starting in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and the hope of the one to come who will crush the serpent's head, the first mention of the gospel found in our Bibles. So law and gospel is throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, and I would say it's the message of the Bible, law and gospel. In terms we can just briefly understand, law is when God tells us to do something, and the gospel is an announcement of what God has done for guilty sinners who have not kept the law. The Protestant reformers were so certain of the importance of this that I'm talking about, law and gospel, that they declare that without the knowledge of this, no one can make sense out of Scripture. Martin Luther even declared of the person ignorant of this distinction, quote, you cannot be altogether sure whether he is a Christian or a Jew or a pagan, for it depends on this distinction, end of quote. Elsewhere, Luther wrote, whoever knows well this art of distinguishing between the law and the gospel, him place at the head and call him a doctor of Holy Scripture. 
end of quote. Many people would write to Martin Luther. They would be in the hamlets and villages and towns of Germany and without access to Martin Luther personally. There was not the internet. There was not uh, cassette tapes, CDs, or any way to hear him. And so they were kind of stuck with their local parish minister. And they would write to Martin Luther and say, how, how can I know if the guy I'm hearing is a helpful person to hear? And Luther would reply by asking this question and saying, ask this question of yourselves. Does he understand the distinction between law and gospel? If he does, you can sit under his ministry and not be too worried at all. And that's what happened in the Reformation. People understood this distinction. Uh, before that, the idea, and it's still obviously very prevalent today, is that God will not deny grace to those who do their best. You really, really, really work for it, and God will just top it off. God will top it up. He'll just bring whatever is necessary to get you the rest of the way. But you do your best. God will see that and he'll add his grace to you. So far removed from the message of the Bible, that is, it's hard to even put it into words. And so, thinking, what can I say in 45 seconds, knowing that's about the verbal range, the audio range of people listening as I preach, I want to say law and gospel. I want to show that the law comes to declare us guilty before God, and then the gospel comes in of what God has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ to save guilty, law-breaking sinners. I remember an incident uh, some time back now when I was visiting with an elder in another church and uh, meeting him in his church building, and I got there on time, but he was running a little late. He was actually in discipleship training three young men uh, for ministry and particularly for preaching and I had arrived just as the third person was about to start his 15-minute sermon and the elder said to me um, I'm sorry I'm running late John would you just sit in uh, it would be good for you uh, good for the, for the person for you to give some feedback and I said oh, okay I'll, I'll sit in and the man preached and boy he did a real good job his verse was found in the book of Ephesians, the one that says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Another version says, make the most of your time or make the most of the time for the days are evil. And he brought out what was in the text. He really did. And so I was asked afterwards, what did you think? And I said, well, he did a fine job. He told us what the text said and he did it very, very well. He used a lot of... Uh, uh, argumentation that proved that what he was bringing out of the text was valid. He used uh, very good sources and that came out as well. And they said, well, is there anything you might say that would be helpful? And I said, do you really want to hear that? And he said, uh, yes, this was the elder. Uh, I said, well, it was all law and no gospel. And the elder looked at me and was a little bit stunned by that. But I said, well, I believe every sermon should have those two elements in it. That's one of the things that came out of the Reformation. Law and gospel in every sermon. The law that condemns us and the gospel 
that redeems us. And um, they, they walked through the whole situation. I was very friendly, I thought. And I got a call about a day later from the elder and said, I re-listened to the third uh, preaching, uh, the one you heard, and you were absolutely right. It was all law and there wasn't any gospel. I said, as I expanded, what he said was right. What he said was true. But I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I've never in my life uh, fulfilled that commandment, that law of make the most of your time. There's times when I'm thinking I've done pretty well today, but never can I say I've done it perfectly. Never can I say I could have just somehow given more to God. There's always times when I could say I could have done this more. I could have done this better. I could have shaved off a couple of minutes here and made the full best use of my time. And so knowing that I've, I've never even got close to fulfilling it, and more than that, there's been days and hours that I think were wasted. What is the hope for me as a, guilt, a guilty sinner who's never yet in my life fulfilled that commandment of making the most of your time? And that's why I need a Savior. And that's what I said, and the elder said, you know, that's probably the most helpful thing you could have ever said to this aspiring preacher so that he'll remember it forever. His sermon should be filled with not only what's in the text, but finding Christ in the text. Even if Christ is not mentioned in the text, there's a way to find him by saying, you know what? What, what hope is there for those who've not fulfilled this? Christ came into the world to save sinners, those who are guilty of wasting not only hours and days, but weeks and months and years and decades of their life. So it is. Those two incidents of the street preaching and the, the, the time with the aspiring preacher, I, I want to say this. The distinction of law and gospel is so, so vital. I can't stress it enough. And I would say this, the model, modern Western world is plagued with a cancer because there's a failure to understand this distinction. Um, one of the great scholars of Luther in America uh, was a man named C.F.W. Walther, known as the American Luther, and he says this about this distinction in his book, The Proper Distinction Between Law and Gospel. The true knowledge of the distinction between the law and the gospel is not only a glorious light affording the correct understanding of the entire Holy Scriptures, but without this knowledge, Scripture is and remains a sealed book. I'd agree with that. Theodore Beyser, who followed John Calvin in Geneva, once said this, confusion of law and gospel is one of the principal sources of the corruptions in the church. Wow, strong stuff. Uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, obviously a Reformation doc document, the primary author of that uh, was a man named Zacharias Ursinus. He lived from 1534 to 1583, and uh, he writes this, <clears throat> the doctrine of the church is the entire and uncorrupted doctrine of the law and gospel concerning the true God, 
together with his will, works, and worship. The doctrine of the church consists of two parts, the law and the gospel, in which we have comprehended the sum and substance of the sacred scriptures. Let me just pause for a moment to hear what he's saying. This is the message of the church, the message of the Bible. It's summed up in the sum and substance by these distinctions, the law and the gospel. Continuing the quote. Therefore, the law and gospel are the chief and general divisions of the Holy Scriptures and comprise the entire doctrine comprehended therein. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, constraining us to fly to him and showing us what that righteousness is, which he has wrought out and now offers unto us. But the gospel professedly treats of the person, office, and benefits of Christ. Therefore, we have in the law and gospel the whole of the scriptures, comprehending the doctrine revealed from heaven for our salvation. The law prescribes and enjoins what is to be done and forbids what ought to be avoided, while the gospel announces the free remission of sin through and for the sake of Christ. The law is known from nature. The gospel is divinely revealed. The law promises life upon the condition of perfect obedience. The gospel on the condition of faith in Christ. End of quote. I believe the Bible will be an impenetrable mystery as long as we're confused about this. And the modern day church is thoroughly confused. Again, the law refers to everything God commands of us in Scripture. Do this and you will live. These commands are found throughout the entire Bible, the Old and the New Covenant, the Old and the New Testament. The law is holy. The law is righteous. The law is good. There's nothing wrong with the law at all. God is the source of it. So what's the problem? The problem is us and our total inability as sinners to keep the law. And that bad news gets even worse when we read verses like James 2 verse 10, for whoever keeps the whole law and fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. Wow, to break even one part of the law makes us guilty of breaking it all as a whole. You can have a pain glass, a big pane glass and you can shoot a little hole through it through the use of a BB gun or you can drive a tank through it but in both cases the glass needs to be replaced it's broken and that's what the law is it's one hole and to break it in part is to break the whole of it the gospel on the other hands uh, on the other hand refers to Jesus Christ his person and his work who he is and what he's done. The word gospel means good news, glad tidings. And it's good news concerning something entirely outside of us or our actions. It's an announcement concerning all that Christ has done for sinners in his perfect life, fulfilling all the demands of the law, as well as his death, his substitutionary death 
and burial and resurrection. Christ died for our sins. He also lived for our righteousness. And the gospel is good news about what God has done for us in Christ. In many churches of our day, the good news of what Jesus has accomplished for us has been replaced with good advice about what we can do for God. Just tweak a little thing here. Improve this in your life and you'll have more joy. And we've replaced the proclamation of Christ and Him crucified with an easy, easy listening legalism of do more, try harder. You're doing good. It's like the halftime pep talk. Yeah, we're down a little, but we can make it up in the second half. Now, the crucial difference between the law and the gospel reveals why it's absolutely necessary for us as Christians to know the difference between the two. Here's what the Bible says. None are righteous, no, not one. No one does good, not even one. You read Romans 3, verse 10, verse 12. None are good. Good compared to what? Well, the standard is not Mrs. Jones down the street or anyone else, but God himself. The standard of righteousness in the kingdom of God, get this, is God's own character. That's why it's Jesus who said, you must be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. John, excuse me, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. That's Jesus speaking. You must be perfect. Well, well, well no one's perfect. Yeah, and that's the problem. And the only righteousness that gets us into grace-filled standing with God or into heaven itself is perfect righteousness. Perfect righteousness. And the law comes and it's like a mirror. It tells us where we are and it reveals that we, in terms of God's holiness, His majesty... We're undone. Woe is me, for I'm undone, Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 6 when he saw the blazing holiness of God. The law reveals our unholiness. The law should, rightfully understood, drive us to Christ. Oh, I need a Savior. I've not done that. Oh, I need a Savior. I've violated that. So the law is God's standard, it's a mirror, and it restrains evil for sure, and helps in terms of society, and it also reveals what's pleasing to God. If we love Jesus, we'll keep his commandments, Jesus said. So, the law is beautiful, it's holy, it's good, there's nothing wrong with it. But we need to understand what it is and what it does. The law of God is so holy that no one has ever kept it. No one apart from Jesus Christ. For many people, they, they think, if I just do more, God will be accepting of me more. Just read Romans 3 verse 20. In fact, if you've got a Bible, look at that particular verse. Romans 3 verse 20. For by works of the law, that's human doings, human action. By works of the law, look at this, 
no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. You see, some people have the idea. In the Old Testament, God says, keep the law, you'll be saved. In the New Testament, it's all by grace. No, 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 no. By works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. That's past tense, present tense, future tense. No one is ever going to be declared right before God, by God, by human works. Why? Well, we're told, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The law is bad news. It's true, it's holy, it's it's absolutely holy. But it's bad news because we are not able and we have not kept the law. Jesus did not downgrade the law. He said, you must be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. The law is good. And when we see proud people walking the streets or proud people in our churches or proud people as we look in the mirror, the law slays us. It shows us our sin. It reveals the fact, like a mirror does, it reveals our true condition before a holy God. To quote Martin Luther again, the law is for the proud and the gospel for the brokenhearted. So many people are proud. They think they're good people. And that's what the law is given for, to show us that is not the case. The first of the commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Ladies and gentlemen, have you done that? Today? Ever? With your whole heart? soul, mind, and strength. Everything of your thought life, everything of your effort, everything of all you are and do is the overflow of perfect love for God. Can you say that? I cannot. Martin Luther was once asked, what is the greatest sin? And people expected him to say the usual obvious things like murder and adultery and all of the things that even society condemns, and he went in a different direction. He said this, well, what is the greatest commandment? The greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and therefore the greatest sin is not doing that. Now, we could walk through the Ten Commandments and we could show that we have our own idols. We've lied We've lusted, we've coveted. We can go all the way through the list and realize we are lawbreakers and the law reveals our sin. Romans 3 verse 20 again. By the law comes the knowledge of sin. And if I see a proud person, I don't rush in with the gospel. I need to bring them law first. Just as a good doctor knowing that there's a remedy for the particular problem someone has in the pills he has ready to give takes quite some time to make sure the person before him, the patient, understands his true condition so that he will take the prescription. He will uh, take the tablets. No one just says as a doctor, you know, I've got some amazing 
blue pills. Gosh, they're good. Oh, they just look so good. Yeah, you, you, everyone I, I, I've talked to, they, they just love taking them. Would you, would you try these? No, that's not where people go. That's not where a doctor does. He outlines by use of maybe an x-ray or by use of tests or blood tests or uh, just his observation of the body. You've got this condition, but here's a remedy. This condition is so, so bleak, in fact, that without this remedy, it's going to get far worse and there's no cure apart from in this pill. And after a while of just making sure the patient understands the problem, then then hopefully the patient says, let me grab these. Please, please, I've got to have them. I've got to have them before the day's out. That's the true use of the law. The law shows us our true condition as sinful before a holy God. And then the gospel comes with the wonderful message of what God has done for guilty sinners who will be banished from God's presence forever if they do not have Christ as Savior. To finish the quote of Martin Luther, the law is for the proud and the gospel for the brokenhearted. The law, the gospel. Do you know the message of the Bible is law and gospel. It's not law. It's not gospel. It's law and gospel. I'd say this too. What would you say to the unsaved? Well, I've already given it away. If I've got 45 seconds, I'm going to go law and gospel. Every 45 seconds, every 45 seconds, law and gospel. What would you say to the Christian who's now inside the kingdom? What's the message for them? Is it different? No. Law and gospel. Now, let me explain that. The law was and is never a way of achieving justification before a holy God. That's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But the law has a function to show us our guilt, but it's got no power, no power whatsoever to help us get to God and even do the things that the law commands. It's like a compass. It tells us where we are. It tells us where land is, and if we keep going, we'll get to a certain place, but it has no power within it. And the message to the Christian is the same. But the law functions to tell us guidance. It tells us the way forward. It guides us. But it's never a means of justification. Never was, never is. And the message is therefore law and gospel. I need to know what God commands and I need to grow in my knowledge of that. But my standing before God is based on not the law, but the gospel. By means of the law, I'm still a sinner. By means of the gospel, I'm justified. You see, and the message is not this for the Christian. Gospel, 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 gospel. No, it's law and gospel. The message of the Bible is, whether we're unsaved or the saved, Law and gospel. We need to believe the right thing. And most in our churches haven't heard the right thing. They've either heard law or law light. 
What do I mean by that? Well, maybe not God's commandments, but they've gone to a church and they've heard a message about time management. Here's five tips to be a better time manager. Here's uh, three reasons and three helps for you in your relationships. Very rarely is the Bible even the basis of the sermon because people want a so-called practical message. But there's nothing more practical than getting right with the true God and understanding that the law will then tell me how I need to act in society and with my spouse and in my relationships and all that. But I tell you what, most churches are void of the gospel and it's a cancer in our land. But if we understand this, I believe in every true church, law and gospel will be part of every sermon we hear. You'll, you'll be surprised at the places where this doesn't take place. Surprised. I've been surprised. Listened to some messages, attended some messages, some churches where I, I sit down and think, well, at least I'll hear law and gospel. No, and it was all law. It was all law. The message of the Bible is law and gospel. See, both law and gospel are good and necessary but both have different functions. The law has the power to reveal sin, but not the power to remove it. The law can never justify us. It only condemns us. There's no good news in the law, none at all. The law reveals our sin and God's justice in giving us all the punishment we deserve for breaking his commands. The gospel, on the other hand, does not defy the law. It's not opposed to it in that sense, but it's distinct from it. The gospel is about the work of the Savior and, become, and can be really summed up in two words, total substitution. See, the word of the law brings a demand. The word of the gospel brings deliverance. The word of the law is do. The word of the gospel is done. The law crushes, the gospel cures. The law condemns, the gospel justifies. The law kills, the gospel makes alive. The law accuses, the gospel acquits. The law exposes, the gospel exonerates. The law is the first word. The gospel is the final word. <laughs> Grace will only be indispensable when we realize God's law is inflexible. It doesn't change. Let me quote Michael Horton. We're told what we need is deeds, not creeds. We've got the right doctrines, we're just not living it. No, we've got the wrong doctrine and we are living it. We talk about what would Jesus do instead of what has Jesus done. End of quote. Amen to that. We will never, this side of glory, be law keepers. We are law breakers. But the message of the gospel is that the law giver became the law keeper. 
to die in the place of lawbreakers. And now he's given us a standing with the Father as a lawkeeper because we are given the righteousness of Jesus Christ as a gift through the means of the righteous life of Christ that kept the law. <laughs> it's beautiful. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Let me close with a quote of a friend of mine now in heaven, Greg Francis. Unusual chap, unusual fellow. Every time I met with him, met with him many times, I always felt sharpened in my understanding of this distinction of law and gospel. So whenever I think of this subject, I always think of him. And there's a quote of him that I quote very regularly and with good reason. I want to end with it now. He once said this, God demands 100% faultless, perfect obedience. And if you can't do that, you better find someone who can do it for you. Amen. See, the gospel is not the promise of a changed life, but is the blood-bought story of an exchanged life. And the message of the Bible is all about the Christ and not the Christian. <laughs> Philippians 3, and be found in him, verse 9, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this so vital distinction. Write these truths on our hearts now and forever. And in this be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name.